my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, and my co-host and very good friend, he's Dave. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, what are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, it's your pick this week, my friend, and we are going back to 1986. It's an independent movie starring Charlie Sheen and Nick Cazavetes, and I've never heard of it until you said it last week, Dave. It is called Rafe. It's a fantasy car chase action movie. So, Dave, where do you remember seeing this one? Well, I I think I talked about it last week, but in real terms, that was a few weeks ago now, so let's go through it again. I can't remember exactly what I said. So um, I remember being at the video store, so I was being taken there by my uncle John and just looking about for stuff. And I remember the video cover. Remember back in the days when you walked into the video shop and the cover did so much to sell you what the movie was? And I just saw this cool-looking, futuristic uh, Stig type character, you know, with the helmet and everything all in black with a cool looking car. Now it wasn't 18. So I just remember, you know, taking it up to the counter and the guys looking at my uncle is like, is this for you? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone knew, everyone knew it wasn't. It was really for me, but it was the perfect crime, Chris, and I got away with it. So, <laughs> but I, I remember watching it, and I just thought it was brilliant. And the other thing as well, because this is mid-80s, you know, I'm, I'm sort of 10, 11 around this time of watching it for the first time, and I'd already watched lots of horror movies that scared the living shit out of me because, you know, I was far too young to watch them. Things like Hellraiser and stuff like that uh, came the year after this. But Nightmare on Elm Street, things like that. And you watched them and they scared the crap out of you. Whereas this one was labelled a horror movie. And I thought, ah, I must be getting used to them now. (laughs) I can handle this horror movie stuff. Whereas, especially when I'm watching it now, I have a slightly different perspective. And (laughs) why the fuck was this called a horror movie? I'm not sure. But at the time, it felt quite grown up to be watching it, Chris. So, yeah, it's got a special kind of... Uh, place in my heart but there there are other things that we'll get into that are like echoes which i think this is the film that hardly anyone has heard of but is massively influential and i can't wait to get into this because i i i'm wondering what you think about it i mean i i guess chris you have no nostalgic memories of this at all no i don't but like i said last week i've you know i've been thinking about this thinking I've seen the car, Dave, and I don't know if I like someone like Jay Leno's got it. I've been researching the car because I remember it being a prototype. I remember seeing it on like someone's got it in a collection, whether it's one of my YouTube channels that I watch and a lot of them go and visit other people, you know, like I have a barn finds and they'll find an old car or they'll, uh, they'll go to a proper like museum collection that people have mainly the rich and famous used today. So I've definitely seen it, but I just can't put my finger on where. So I think I don't remember ever seeing the VHS cover, but I do remember seeing the car and some of the bits of the car as well. Definitely mm. some of the action sequences. So I was interested when we played the trailer last time, I was like, Oh, why the hell have I not watched this? This seems mm. like it's in my wheelhouse. So yeah, interesting Dave. And, and I must admit watching it and we'll get into it. It wasn't what I was expecting. Mm. 
Well, I think, I mean, at the box office, this was a massive, massive dud. <laughs> I think that's one of the other reasons why not many people have heard of it. It cost three and a half million to make. I've made 1.4. But I think part of that is just the marketing. I mean, even if you go on IMDb now, you look at the cover, the official cover that was shown, and it looks like a weird kind of back to the future slash close encounters of the third kind kind of thing. You know, teenagers looking off into the distance. It, it looks very weird. It looks like this kind of family entertainment drama, whereas that video cover that I saw with the cool-looking Wraith with the, all these leather gear on and the helmet and the car and everything, that was the thing they should have released it with. And I think if they had it done that, it would have been a lot more successful. But, um, yeah, like I say, I'm, I'm sure this has gone on to influence many, many other things as well. Yeah, one of the things I noticed straight away was we, we did Cobra, and there's that weird scene where, I love it, the car chase is bouncing and bouncing, and we get the mm. same road three times in this movie. Not the same <laughs> road as Cobra, but the same idea, these, like, hilly, like, desert things, and the, the, he's riding along. So, yeah, let's talk about it, because it's the same year as Cobra. It's obviously influenced Cobra, but, yeah, that, I sort of understand what you're getting at, David. I think there's a massive comparison of one of the characters over someone that we both love. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, should we get into the trailer? Let's go. An evil force took his life. An unearthly power has brought him back. He is a phantom, a wraith, a cosmic spirit given another chance. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah. Who's the kid? I turned my back and the next second he was there. Like magic almost. You ever seen one of those before? Nah, let's just add it to our collection. a kid out there using his car to kill people not that it's such a big deal since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for hold on grab the shotgun mama luca a wraith man a ghost an evil spirit and it ain't cool what are you doing Get in the car. What are you doing, man? You get out of my go. face, Burger Boy. You wind up dead like your brother. No! Hey, who is that guy? I don't know. But whoever he was, he's weird and ticked off. If you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to fear. In the town of Brooks, Arizona, Packard Walsh, the leader of a gang of car thieves, coerces people with fast cars into racing, with the winner of the race taking ownership of the loser's car. Packard controls everyone through intimidation, including Kerry Johnson, whom he views as his property. Kerry's boyfriend, Jamie Hankins, was the victim of an unsolved murder, and Kerry, who was with him at the time, has no memory of the traumatic event. Now, Chris, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? 
Well, that description does not depict <laughs> what I'm seeing on the screen, David. I've got to say. So we get so nostalgia wise, we get the car, the white car that this like you know American you know feel good high school couple are going down the street on well down the desert on. And uh, it's the same car that Frank Sinatra drives in Cannibal Run 2, Dave. Just a bit, oh, nice. Just a bit. Not the, it's the same vehicle type, not the same car, but it's just, he drives a red one. However, the guy, the baddie, I just kept thinking, is he trying to be fucking the Hoff? Is he trying to be <laughs> like Garth fucking <laughs> Knight? You know, the fucking evil twin of Michael Knight. With the, he hasn't got the goatee, but he's tall. He's gangly. Apparently, he's an ex-basketball player who, who was – his mum and dad are actors – and actresses, and he, he didn't want to be an actor. I'm pretty sure that he still isn't an actor today after his performance. Um, well, I tell you a little bit of trivia. Nick Cavetti's, who plays Packard, is only the fucking director for The Notebook. <laughs> so <laughs> this massive sociopath who is the epitome of 80s bad guys, of 80s bullies. This is Biff Buchanan, struck up to 11. I think. You know, for me, he's a Poundland Patrick Swayze. <laughs> but fucking, but tall. I mean, he's like 6'6 six, six or something daft like that, isn't he? You know, and the rest of the cast all look so much shorter than him. But yeah, he's just a massive, massive douchebag. But, um, you know, he, he is not scared by anything. No. No, not at all. I mean, great car. He's got a Corvette there with the headers on it and that, David. Mint car. But the whole pretense of it, he's, he's got like um, he's sort of got like a bit like a Mad Max feel to it as well. You know, like, yeah, yeah. It's like the science fiction side of it, obviously. I just thought it was purely bad guys, good guys. We're racing for pink slips. Here we go. But no, we've got this like, you know, this um, character, you know, and, and he, I think he's the most interesting character in the whole thing, Packard Walsh. I actually think he's probably mm. the best character. I think Charlie Sheen's a fucking terrible actor. And I, I think he's a, a, you know, it shows how far having a, a dad who's a good actor gets you because he's fucking terrible. I'm, I'm trying to think back. Have I ever seen him in a good film? I mean, we did obviously The Rookie, which I thought was great as a kid. It's fucking terrible. You look at like the other stuff, Hot Shots. Yeah, not a bad film. You know, it's very airplane, naked gun, and it's like delivery. I did enjoy that. Yeah. But there's nothing there with, with context that he's done where you go, what an actor. He's just there off the back of his name. I know he changed it from Estevez. But, but at the end of the day, everyone knows who his dad is. And mm. he's terrible in this. He's like, he has got this off the back of his old man. And honestly, no wonder he didn't make any money because I just cannot invest in Charlie <laughs> Sheen. And I wanted Packard to fucking absolutely garrote Charlie Sheen in this day. Every time he come on, the smug little bastard, I was like, just fucking kill him and get oh, it over. Come on. He, he is a good-looking bloke, though, isn't he? I mean, oh, yeah. I agree. Terrible, terrible actor. There, there were stories from this that, you know, he was just such a, a fucking layabout. You know, he was just turning up drunk and stuff like that. Couldn't speak his lines and, uh, you know, got told off more than once. But this same year, he was cast in Platoon as well. So rather than, you know, his, his career could have tanked. I think Platoon really kind of rocketed him into that stardom. But you know, he, he already had massive issues at this point, apparently. Um, but, when, I mean, when he turns up, it's just... There is nothing sophisticated about this at all, Chris. Um, and, and I didn't remember that much um, other than the feeling, you know, of watching the movie. I didn't remember particular scenes or anything. But it's so fucking obvious when Charlie Sheen turns up that he's the the 
the wraith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, he's got all the scars on his back, these unexplained scars, you know, um, uh, and it's obvious he's somehow come back as, as this guy who was killed. And Randy Quaid's there, you know, as Loomis. And, you know, he's the worst detective in the world because the, this town basically seems to revolve around the burger joint. And, it, and it, it's basically clear, you know, who, who, there's a murder in the town. Who the fuck could it be? Well, who's the main fucking maniac that we see? You know, you've got Packard and <laughs> yeah. his, his boys. That's it. <laughs> They're the only people we see in this little town. So, yeah, I, I just... I, I love the closeness of it. I love the, I'm saying it's not sophisticated as if that's a bad thing, but I like the simplicity of it. And, I, you know, I tell you what, Chris, I had forgotten the soundtrack. And, and I guess at, at the time, you know, you don't watch it in the 80s and you think, wow, this is such an 80s soundtrack. But I'm watching it now and I can't think of another more 80s soundtrack than this you know i watched oh. rocky four again the other day but you know that's that's a different level type thing you you can have play that at any time but for being a time capsule of the 80s i don't think there are many better films than this no you know what Dave? it's interesting that because i think she's beautiful the, the character Karen, oh, yeah, yeah. Fenn. i know she's out of twin peaks i was looking before but uh she's you know, as a kid, that would have stirred me right up, Dave. I think she's absolutely <laughs> stunning. Proper 80s teenage Chris Fodder, without a doubt. I know I wouldn't be throwing my shoulder out if people are now thinking that, David. I wouldn't. But... shit. <laughs> <laughs> she looks stunning in some of these these sections in the movie. But again, Packard is there, and he's got her, like, under private property. And, and like, Jamie comes into town on the bike. And, again, I was got the Cobra little uh, spot before but he's like going up and down in he on this like yeah. and it is charlie sheen riding the bike to be fair mm, and, and he, yeah, yeah. He, he rides into town and literally she's like yeah i'll get on the back of your bike no problem <laughs> you know this crazed maniac is my boyfriend but i've got no problem getting a backy off you and he obviously intercepts and then we've got this like cat and mouse but i've got to say that the wraith as a character dave Charlie Sheen, I don't even know if it's Charlie Sheen in that outfit, it's probably a body double. He cannot even move. Like every time he's like Robocop when Peter Weller's got the Robocop outfit on and he's supposed to be a robot in it and he's moving like a robot and the way he turns and everything. Yeah. Charlie Sheen's supposed to be like this like agile sort of assassin or whatever he is. He can't even move when he starts firing the guns. <laughs> I am pissing myself because I don't necessarily think it's him because the guy looked tiny next to Packard yeah. when he intimidates him. But there's something about this movie, Dave. I think you've picked one here, and it's stupidly shit, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I don't know why. It's just really <laughs> silly. <laughs> it is. It is so entertaining, and and I agree. This is not like a, a fucking Godfather type, or oh, this is a great movie. <laughs> you know, no. it, it is wonderfully shit and wonderfully 80s, but I, I completely agree with the, uh, with the raid, to be honest, because when he comes in, and he starts shooting up the chop shop. I mean, oh, what an operation Packard has got there, by the way. Yeah. I mean, to get a garage like that, unbelievable. And again, Randy Quaid, fucking useless. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the wrong out. guy. <laughs> yeah. But um, when the Wraith sort of bursts through, I mean, he, he kind of looks cool. But because Packard is so fucking big, yeah. <laughs> he just looks ridiculous. He looks like some sort of miniature kid in a costume. Yeah. You know, yeah. some kid doing cosplay or something. So, 
Yeah, I, I, absolutely uh, unbelievable. I, I think they should have maybe cast someone a, a little bit different to, you know, as the baddie who wouldn't make everyone else look so short. But then again, I, I don't know, is it kind of a Biff type of thing? Because Biff was huge, wasn't he? And it, yeah. It, he, he was supposed to make everyone else look that bit smaller. You know, there's that bit, isn't there, where he stands up and you get Marty McFly, you know, Michael J. Fox looking at him as he gets bigger and bigger and bigger as he stands up. But um, and I'm not sure it works when you've got this menacing ghostly presence you know I, I think it could have been better if it had been a bit leveled up there but yeah like I say just absolutely amazing and you get these great i mean what do you think of the car chases chris or, or the car races i should say it's 80s 101 isn't it you know it's it's stuff like you know stuff i love the cannonball run smoking the bandit a little bit further on into the 80s you've got like uh, other car chase movies and that, like that. I just think it sits quite familiar with me, Dave. You know, the camera shots are a little bit different, and a lot of it's on the wheel, a lot of the car chase stuff. It's quite low mm. down on the car. But, but but what's interesting is fucking Packard is like, you know, he's about to, I mean, at the start, I know I'm sort of backtracking, the couple who get the car nicked at the start, they're literally trying to rape this woman, aren't they? These weirdo, mm. like, Mad Max extras are there, like, oh, yeah, oh, we're going to have a bit with her. And then he goes, let's race your pink slips. Well, the guy, who's racing, who's like a boyfriend, just leaves her. I mean, I'd be doing everything I can yeah. to get at her, to sort of go down fighting, be like, you can't just leave her because you don't know what they're going to yeah. do. Packard, you know you fucked on Packard puts his fucking Lewis Hamilton driver's helmet on. <laughs> you know you're getting beat then, Dave. It doesn't matter how good a racer you are. You are getting beat. And, uh, yeah, it's an interesting race. And then they come back. And, and what's weird is Packard is so, like, He's so Jekyll and Hyde, isn't he? Because one minute he's got compassion, and the next minute he's just wanting to He just keeps pulling this flick knife out, doesn't he? It's like yeah. his, his lightsaber, like Darth Vader, he pulls it out, and everyone goes, oh, shit. You know, and, and <laughs> to be honest, the description you give gives a better t- tale of what, and I'm reading the description as we're doing the podcast, and I'm thinking, well, this doesn't look like what I saw, but I just go with it. It's stupid, and I think Packard is one of them unsung 80s baddies that oh, yeah. it has to be watched. It's just ridiculous. He looks like the main guy. And, and I, th- I think going back to what you said, the one thing with Packard being so big is when um, the Wraith goes in and destroys the whole of the chop shop up and all them cars get destroyed, I'm crying, Dave, like, oh my God, all them V8s. Yeah. He doesn't flinch. So all his team fucking bottle it. They're in the rafters. They're hiding behind stuff and that. And it shows what a badass is Packard because he doesn't even flinch. Even when the Wraith puts the shotgun at his head. I mean, mm. he shoots past his ear. He would have fucking deafened him, but we'll go yeah. with it for the fucking film. Doesn't even flinch. I actually think that makes the Wraith look quite weak, if I'm being honest, Dave. It's like, mm. what are you going to do to me, pal? I'm not scared of you. So I think that was that was the only bit that was jarring. for me, me One, because of his height. Obviously, Charlie Sheen must be about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, and he's like 6'6". Six, six. And they should have done like a Stallone with Dolph Lundgren, you know, like, like at least mm. put him on a box or an elevated thing that we don't see. So there is a little bit, all right, he's bigger than him, but he's not that. Like you said, Biff and Marty, when he's, he's you know, get them, get your meat hooks <laughs> off of me sort of thing. And he's like, oh shit, you know, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I get that. But I just felt that like, say for some reason, I'm just rooting for Packard, even though he's wantonly killing and beating people up at like at will. Yeah. I, I think he's one of the unsung great baddies of the 80s I, yeah. I do think if this film was bigger he would be renowned as one of the better baddies because like you say just nothing phases him 
at all. You know, he's just like a, a great white shark. He's just got a myopic view. You know, to be fair, I mean, I, I don't know. I can never quite figure out because I've, I've watched this a couple of times now. So is he actually going out with Kerry? Or not. Because <laughs> it just seems yeah. like he yeah. sort of kidnaps her and she goes along with it for a bit. But, you know, she said a few times to Charlie Sheen, you know, he's not my boyfriend. But, you know, it it's kind of, seems like there's a conversation missing that you should be having with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. But, no, the other film that I was thinking of, Chris, was Fast and the Furious. Yeah. The, yeah, you know, it, it just seems like the the whole premise, you know, to to have the race for the the pink slips, or wasn't it in? Uh, uh, didn't they do that in Greece as well? Racing Greece? for pinks? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, <laughs> racing for pink slips. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know, you say about Mad Max, and and we've seen this a few times now uh, in, in different things that we've watched. Now I watched the Police Academy, the whole fucking lot. <laughs> <laughs> which you can get uh, on 20th Century Geek when I speak to Math and Scott about it. But it seems like in the 80s, you basically, if you're a punk, you're a bit of a baddie. You're also yeah. fodder. And, you know, you get some absolute fucking tools, don't you, racing here. But, you know, all the punks, you can tell they're up to no good. They're part of Packard's gang. But um, the other influence I was going to talk about, Chris, was the crow. <laughs> You know what? Great spot, Dave. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the same. Right? I'd completely sort of forgotten about this, but I remember when I watched The Crow, you know, and I, I said at the time, I, I just the the attack scene w- was absolutely brutal for me. And I, at, at that time in my life, I just wasn't really up for watching that and it put me off the movie a bit. But I do remember getting those feelings of, I've, I've seen this, this, story play out pretty much before and so yeah it's it's basically the same isn't it it's like a revenge type uh killing and you know you get someone who's who's dead on vengeance coming back i mean it the the crow is so much more stylistically i think it holds up a lot a lot better than this one but like i say this this is a pure 80s time capsule but like i say i i feel like this has influenced other things that have come after it a lot more than it's given credit for. Oh, it's a very good point now, because I think that's the one thing that's weird about it. You've got this normal life gang, like you say, like this just like really horrible gang. And then you've got that science fiction side to it. That just mm. goes, from, goes from one extreme to the other, because Packard's gang are like something out of, like I say, Mad Max, something in a dystopian world, but they're the only ones. Everyone else is just like, these high school American footballers, cheerleaders, you know, the typical American dream that like you would see mm. in these sort of movies. But then you've got these, like, strange characters who, you know, they're, 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 and when they're talking, they're even talking differently. I mean, some of them, you look at it now and you think, oh, gosh, some of it's a bit jarring because they're trying to depict them as having, like, learning difficulties, aren't they? And they've mm. got a bad crowd and that. At least a couple of the characters were quite uncomfortable. But I think you're right. I think, like, Packard himself, some of the killing is quite gruesome, you know, like he, you know, he's slashing people and everything. And, and, but then the next scene, he's like with that guy, like the bad professor guy who's been in all sorts of movies and he's like, oh, just shining normal. Howard, isn't it? Clint you, Howard. You mean, uh, Clint Howard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With the fucking Ron mad, Howard's brother, isn't he? Yeah. With the mad hair. I mean, he's quite an iconic, 
character in this, I think. And, you know, he he's obviously uh, into his engines and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool as well, where they brought back the bonnet and had a look in the engine. It's like, fucking hell. I mean, that, that did look like something off Back to the Future, didn't it? Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Skank, isn't it? And his his brother, you know, he's there drinking hydraulic fluid, <laughs> and it's like ridiculous. I mean, I mean, that's when it gets really quite Mad Maxy. Yeah. But um, I, I tell you, one of the other bits that jumped out to me, Chris, is is when uh, you get the brother of the guy who, who'd been murdered, and uh, you know, Packard's basically getting ready to kill him, it seems. And he's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, who'll give you your burgers like you want them? <laughs> you know, with the Thousand Island dressing or whatever it is. And it is just weird. You've got these massively fucking threatening uh, douchebags, you know, just hanging around the burger joint. And, and it, like, it, I hadn't really uh, appreciated that before you said it there, but it is this, like, this slice of 80s America with some sort of sci-fi Mad Max shit thrown in as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that, that fight, though, when Packard beats up Billy, you know, at the burger place, and there's about yeah. 20 people there, and he, like, punches him, and Billy's acting's terrible. The actor, <laughs> he's like, what are you, any of you guys intervene, you pussies, or something, he said. You know, he's proper, like, as, and they're all stood there because one of the guys goes to intervene. His mate grabs him just to say, you know, you're going to come off worse with Packard. And, and his acting is terrible. I think, you know, Kerry Johnson's, you know, well, Chevrolet Fenn, who's Kerry Johnson, she's not a good actress at this point in her career, Dave, at all. But yeah, you go with it. She gets away with it more than the others, I must admit. But it's just... Just stupid. It's a silly fucking <laughs> move. And the amount of times it's like A team levels of we could kill you, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tie you up and then I'm gonna and then he says to her when he gets older after this fight, we go to California. She's like, Well, I'm not going anywhere. And he's like, Well, yeah, you are. And he slaps her. And it's like she doesn't seem that bothered. She's not like screaming, going, Oh my god, yeah. I'm from a family. She just goes, well, I'm not going anywhere. You know, like yeah. a kid would do. Like, yeah. Just before the podcast, we've been out shopping, me and Jordan, and I said to her, you know, she's 22, and I said to her, I need some milk, come on. And I've got, you know, I, as you know, Dave, I haven't said that, but I've got man flu, everyone, so I am, you know, powering through. You know, it's the worst case at the moment. <laughs> uh, but I said we needed milk, and she's like, well, go and get it. I went, I've got my pyjamas on. We'll have to go in the car. You'll have to go in. I'm not going in. My, I've got paisley pyjama bottoms on, Dave, and like, <laughs> like fucking slipper socks on and stuff. I went, we're not going anywhere. She went, I'm not, not getting it. I went, uh, excuse me. I said, and he was like, that reaction. I went, uh, I've yeah. got a load of stuff. And she's like, oh, right, okay. But he's like that, that sort of dialogue, <laughs> like a kid, that like reverse psychology. She's like, well, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, okay then. Yeah, no problem. But so she's not very convincing. She doesn't, I think Packard's delivery is really sinister and horrible. Mm. And we've seen five or six instances of him just wantonly killing people. But she doesn't seem to give a shit when he's literally about to kill her. She's just sort of like, yeah. yeah, whatever. You know, it's very strange. I think it's fair to say she didn't get this role because of her acting. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who she brought on set, Chris, and, and was in contention for the lead role in this? I say lead. I mean, really, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think Packard is the real lead in it, isn't he? Yeah. But um, the so-called lead is charlie sheen well johnny depp was up for this and he was going out with cherylyn finn who plays oh, carrie at, at the time so uh, sorry cherylyn fenn not finn um yeah they were going out at the time and so he didn't get the role 
but you know, he would turn up on set and like hang about and stuff. Oh, I think he'd have done a better job there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because then, I mean, the, I mean, she's not a good actress, but when Charlie, when she's in a scene with Charlie Sheen, I mean, they don't look. He's not out acting her, is he? No, <laughs> he's almost as bad. <laughs> no, no. You know, but um, I, I think there was a certain scene in the water pool, Chris, which uh, you might have thrown your shoulder out to uh, back in the day. <laughs> <I> mean, Maybe. <laughs> But I mean, when, when I guess the the slightly creepy element to it, and like I say, back in the day, I thought this was a horror because that's how they labelled it. They said it was a horror. This is not a fucking horror. I mean, you will get worse things on Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or something like that. The only horror type thing about it is that I guess when they go into this car crash, and I do think they they kind of. They make the crashes a little bit the same, I think, you know, because you, yeah. you get these races, gets a little bit eat my dust, doesn't it, with, with the races and whatever. And then suddenly, you know, the car is just there and, it, and the other car crashes into it. And then the, the corpse is just left there and they, they've got like no eyes. Their eyes are completely blacked out. That is yeah. the only sort of creepy little thing about it, but it's, <laughs> it's not. It doesn't make it a horror movie at all. But you know, I think I could have done with a little bit more variety in how the raid sort of saw off some of this crew. Yeah, and I agree with that because I think, like, the way it comes to a head, it's just a game of duel, isn't it? It's a game of chicken, basically. Like, who's going to crack first? Obviously, the wraith is this sort of super powered mm. car as such, and and. I, I agree. There's a lot of like cars just exploding, aren't they, around the Wraith mm. vehicle? So, what, what I find interesting as well, though, is like at the end, I'm sort of gutted because the car blows up, but Packard's fully not burned, not anything. He's just like lost half his clothes and just like lay strewn across like the dev- you know, the devolution of his vehicle. It's like completely against what we've just seen. It's uh, yeah, I was gutted, Dave. I was genuinely gutted. I was like, oh. No, you can't kill him off, you know what I mean? Like, and then Charlie Sheen rides off into the fucking sunset. Very similar, Dave, if you say that, very similar to Cobra last week when, you know, Cobra decided to steal one of the bikers' bikes with a whip yeah. and fuck off. Nobody said anything. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, oh, will come back to the ending in a sec, but even to the last, right, I mean, you've got the Wraith. Basically, he's got superpowers. This is almost like Superman 2, you know, with all his fucking powers, going back to the diner and giving that hillbilly what for. You know, he's overpowered. The Wraith has got all the fucking powers. And yet Packard doesn't even fucking blink. He is going for that game of chicken. And he's just a human being. You know, and he, I, I do think he is one of the most uh, sinister baddies sinister bullies that we've ever seen i yeah. i think even biff kind of wobbles a little bit you know he shits himself a bit when it when the time's appropriate um packard doesn't you know so right into the end he doesn't he doesn't chicken out does he he flies in and then like you say he ends up dead but chris when <laughs> you talk about bad daytime soap opera acting when Charlie Sheen turns up and he's the Wraith and then he, he suddenly turns into Charlie Sheen, Kerry's just like, 
Oh, it's you. You're actually my dead boyfriend. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Should we go off and drive off? <laughs> and, then, and then he goes and sees the... Now, what I would say is Billy, when he sees his brother, and then, uh, you know, it, it, his brother kind of twigs that, you know, this this is his dead brother somehow, weirdly. I mean, not not a lot is explained, to be fair, in this, but I don't think it has to be. I, I thought that was a little bit choking, where he's he's saying, Jamie, you know, right at the end there. But, but yeah, it was the one where Kerry is just like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're, we're just going to go with this. You know, you're, you're my dead boyfriend. That's cool, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I think just the backstep. Very good that there, but just backstepping slightly though. I think the reason with Packard maybe that he wasn't like a bit of a household name and, and there wasn't any traction on the movie because it was an eighteen. Maybe if it had mm. been like a PG or twelve, like Biff obviously is in the movie. That's a PG, isn't it? There's a few like bits it's been yeah, gone to yeah. with Lorraine in the car and everything's fucking not good. And there's a few like bits of swearing and stuff like that, but it's a family, it's a family movie. Whereas this is mm. like what this is one of the movies, like you said, you needed an adult to rent it out. So maybe yeah. it didn't get the traction with our generation, and Packard didn't get the recognition as a baddie because nobody, not a lot of people, got the video out. You know, because it was it was probably I think it's I think these bits they could have cut out of this and made it like a twelve, and I think it, it would have been more of a success. It would have gone to a more wider audience because people were lapping this shit up in the eighties. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know really what it is that's sort of tipping it over the edge, you know, into being an 18. I'm guessing in the US it probably would have been an R-rated one. Yeah. But what is that bad? What is that violent? I mean, you've got the car crashes and stuff, but you've got that in Cannonball Run. Yeah, yeah. Chris, around this time, or, or we've gone on about this before, we've covered it fairly recently. Jaws. How yeah. is Jaws and how is fucking Poltergeist a PG? <laughs> and yet this is a fucking 18. Yeah. It don't make any <laughs> it's sense, ridiculous. It? So I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's the, um, maybe it's the death scene actually. Maybe it's that where, you know, he slashes his, uh, slashes the guy's back and stabs him. Maybe it's that. Yeah, possibly, possibly, but I agree. I, it's baffling, Dave. I've seen far worse films than that that are rated less. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. I mean, today, this this would... I'm not sure. Maybe because of that murder scene, it, it probably wouldn't be a, a 12. But, I mean, you could have been a bit cleverer about that, the way it's shot and everything. I, yeah. I'm sure. I, I, this could have easily been brought down to a PG, I think, and it would have been way more successful than it was. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, Dave, shall we get into our scores? Let's go. So, Dave, I didn't have a clue. I thought I was going to be absolutely shitting on it, and it's just something about it that just is like, it's in my wheelhouse, and I just don't know why, because... The stuff that I shouldn't like. I'm never a massive fan of Mad Max and that, but uh, I went with it. I say Packard, what great, ridiculous fucking baddie. He's a pantomime baddie at best, but he's the best thing about the movie. Charlie Sheen, he's not only phoning it in, Dave. They could have just fucking used a body double for him out of fucking <laughs> acting. He does it. He's terrible. Absolutely shit. 
you know, Kevin John's really great character. You know, as I say, young Chris had stirrings for this character, Dave, without a doubt. <laughs> um, but no, you've picked, you've picked a, a, a little gem for me, Dave. It's an indie movie that we would never have, you know, gone for. I've never seen this. I've never seen the video shop or anything. I'm going to put it in Hill Valley. It definitely deserves to be watched. And I think some of the people who listen to the podcast, they may have already seen it, but I think there's going to be a few people who haven't possibly. If they like that 80s nonsense of car chases and stuff, a bit sci-fi, it's right in your wheelhouse. So, yeah, good pick, Mr. Horrocks. I applaud you. Blimey. I think that might be the highest I've I had anything rated by you when you've not seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so stuff like weird science, all these things that I've thrown at you. Uh, which you haven't seen, generally haven't aged very well. And I don't think this has aged well, or, or not. It's not that it hasn't aged well, but it is so, so 80s, and it is so cheesy 80s. Uh, it's unbelievable. So I think for me, Chris, I, I am going to grade it on that curve. You know, this isn't one that you could show today and you go, oh, yeah, it really stands up. I mean, I love the fact that this is before the days of CGI, so all the the effects and stuff all the stunts they're all real you know there's nothing faked at all so considering they they actually shot this in i think it was something like 28 days or something ridiculous really fast turnaround so you know the fact they did all this i i think that bit of it holds up really well but the the kind of uh, dick dastardly mustache twirling villain that is packard it's probably one of the most underrated 80s villain bullies that, that we've ever covered on this show. So, yeah, I, I've actually really, really enjoyed this. And I, I kind of hinted at it before, but I've watched this a couple of times now before we, we recorded because I watched it and then I wasn't really sure, like, how, how am I going to sort of score this one? How, how am I going to rate it? You know, so I had to go back and watch it again. Chris, I'm going to put this at Pleasantville. Because I think this is, uh, it surprised me how much of a gem this one is, going back to it. And again, not because it's a fantastic movie. You've got to think it is that lower budget indie movie. Um, not watched or heard of by many people, but uh, I have really, really enjoyed this one. Much more than I thought I would. So yeah, pleasant bill for me. Excellent, mate. I can't argue with that. It was teetering for myself. I must admit, I must be going soft in my old days, Dave, when it could be the man flu affecting my judgment. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, Dave, we have next week a Patreon pick from our great friend, Mr. Matt Bates. And this is a classic from, gosh, the early 80s that I remember it was like one of the movies on the playground where everyone talked about it, whose brothers had rented it or let them watch it. We were like 10, 11 years old or whatever when it came out. You know, well, probably quite earlier than that, but more aware of it as I was about 10, 11. And it was like, it's got women and it's got, you know, I, I don't know if these boobs or anything, Dave, but you know, you're just, you're looking for any sort of like nipple slip at that point in your career, Dave, anything <laughs> to, you know, stir yourself. But so this one's a classic movie, Dave. And it's, and it's, I remember it being so crude and a lot of the stuff in the movie. In, as what we talk about the VHS Strikes Back is, it's very much pop culture based. So we are going to watch Dave, and this is Matt's pick, Rita Sue and Bob 2. Welcome to Britain in the 80s. Two nations now constitute our country. Off the air! 
<laughs> and Rita and Sue are in the wrong half. In the car. Yeah. Where do you want to go? There's never out to do where we live. Not much we can do, is there? So it looks like we'll just be walking round again. You may think what happens to Rita and Sue couldn't happen in England. Bob's going to give you a lift home, aren't you, Bob? Well, I've given you a bit of a city money. Yeah. You may be shocked. Things haven't been going too well with me and the wife. I hate you. You may be appalled. You're not trying to tell me that she's been babysitting till this time. Hi! Bob and Jan is up But you'll laugh at what Rita and Sue do to stay one jump ahead. Rita, Sue and Bob too. If it came to it and she stood there and asked me, I think I'd tell her. I'd learn my way out of it. But it'd save a lot of trouble all around, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, I think there could be quite a lot of... Uh, it, this looks like it's going to be good, wholesome family entertainment, you know, <laughs> that we, we can watch along with uh, uh, It's a Knockout, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Rolf's Cartoon Club. Club yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim will fix it. Fred Talbot's weather reports, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've really got, I think some of the dialogue in this is going to be terrible as well. Really bad. You know what I... <sighs> The the most overriding thing that I remember about this is just th- there were a bunch of kids who'd obviously watched it before everyone else and just fucking incessantly singing that fucking song. Yes. We're having a gang bang, bang. we're yeah. having a ball. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, my God, I can fucking see it in my mind's eye now, just like in the classroom. But, yeah, this this... It's going to be interesting how this one ages, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not ruin it, David. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> massive thank you to everyone, as always, guys, for supporting us. Um, also, uh, if you want to follow us on social media at VHS Strikes Back. If you want to email us, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. And if you do want to support us a little bit more, please get over to patreon patreon.com forward slash vhs strikes back so dave it's unbelievable this but we have had an email and i don't know what you're doing on the side but i'll tell you now <laughs> you need to tell me where i want half of what you're earning for this so we've had an email here dave from let's have a look master pa- uh, <laughs> path nakar karate martial arts self-defense teacher and he says want to learn karate in cheap cost here's how hey Here's Parth Nakar from Mumbai, India. To help you to learn karate in cheap cost, first, let me introduce myself. I am a third dan black belly karate from International Hindu Ryu Karate Do Federation, the IIKF for short. I have 12 years experience in karate as well as my teaching experience is more than seven years. As my experience is more, the information gained by me in martial arts is more. I'm going to start online karate classes, which will be two days in a week. According to your choice, one demo class will be conducted. The fees will be only $15 per month. In the classes, I'm going to teach you karate, martial arts, self-defense, weapons, which includes wooden stick, knife, nanchuku, sword, etc. 
Do not look upon money. I only focus on quality teaching, delivering the best content for you. I hope you like my experience and content in karate. If you are interested, then please let me know by replying to this email or by other details given below. Thanks, partner car. Dave, what are you doing here? Are you going around the world trying to take over the young dojos and fucking infiltrating this guy? I think people are looking to take over our dojos. So I don't know how we've gone to some list somewhere. <laughs> I love it. You messaged me and went, you've got to read this email. And I was like, what email? I've not seen it. Obviously, we both, you know, we're always checking our emails. I was like, holy shit. This is unbelievable. Dave, brilliant. <laughs> It's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that. I, I just, <laughs> like I say, uh, just look after your dojos. <laughs> well, Dave, on that bombshell, and uh, I'm definitely going to be checking what you've been doing recently, Dave, so I'll check the emails that you've sent. Uh, what are you going to take us out with today? Well, I don't have a quote. None of them are, are very good, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> which says a lot about the movie and its writing. But um, no, I'd just say if you've made it all this way and you haven't actually watched it, definitely try and watch it. Um, it is a, a little bit of a gem, I feel like, uh, and I think that uh, there's a lot of people who follow us and stuff who probably haven't watched this one. So definitely, and, and let us know what you think as well because we just feel like Packard is such a great 80s villain. And Chris, it's been great. It's been a couple of weeks behind the scenes since we recorded, so it's good to get back on the saddle again. I assume you're going to go off and uh, have your lem sips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, dedication, my friend, dedication. <laughs> that is, uh, dedication's what you need. So <laughs> thanks a lot for listening. Thanks to you, Chris, and we'll speak to you next time. <laughs> Bye. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back. Because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's night. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. I'm breathing heavy. He's a fool, he's stupid. I see you in six. I must break you.